Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. So today is our very first recording in the If I Knew Then series. We're talking to Leslie Lyon with the Tipsy Horse out in Orland, California. Yep. Leslie, you just finished up your first full season? My second. I can imagine that you have learned quite a few things in your first two years. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. Holy moly. We could probably talk all day, but for the sake of brevity, we have asked each of our presenters here to pick a topic that they feel specifically passionate about communicating to new or budding mobile bar owners as they journey from even pre-launch to you know scaling through their first couple of years. And the topic that you mentioned wanting to talk about today is the concept, which I'm really excited about, the concept of using your authentic voice in the marketplace. Tell me why you thought this, why this stood out to you and why you thought this was so important for new bar owners to consider. Well, first off, I think we hear a lot of other businesses say, find what someone else is doing and copy them. And I'm not saying that I think that's a bad idea. I'm just saying that I think that we should all add in putting your twist on it. Because for me... It took me a while to figure out what I wanted my voice to be, how I wanted to project into the marketplace, and what that really looked like for me. And had I spent a little bit more time on that before my launch, I feel like I would have saved myself a lot of scatteredness in my marketing approach. And I feel like my clients would have been more clear about what my service was, who I was, and what they were going to receive from me. Absolutely. When you did find your authentic voice, what was the most telling result that indicated to you, oh, I have arrived? Honestly, it was confidence. I felt fully confident to show up exactly how I had projected. And I felt like I matched what I was saying with what I was providing. And so my client really felt like they knew me by the time they were coming to me for a Um, a price or an estimate, or they're ready to close the deal with me, they feel like they already know me. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's one of the trends that we see as the mobile bar industry grows and scales um, is that there's a lot of the same verbiage being used over and over and over again. And and it's become a bit of a trigger for me to see certain words. And a lot of them are words that I have used and are tempted to continue using a good example is elevate, right? Everybody wants to elevate the bar experience. It's on everyone's websites. It's on everybody's Instagram. And so it becomes a little bit of a trendy word that doesn't really mean as much as we thought, thought it would. Have you found any words or phrases that you feel truly embody you that aren't necessarily the same regurgitated phrasing that you see on everybody's uh, Instagram and website? 
For sure. So I think part, a distinct part of my authentic voice was being pretty sassy. So my tagline is Cali Sass and Southern Class. And I felt like that really summed me up really well. Well, summed up my look. So the reality is I don't drink. I really don't drink very much. And so I really was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to show up in the marketplace and really sound confident about what I'm serving? I don't have a ton of, of bartending experience. I have since hired amazing support staff. And so I feel like I could go work in a bar like no problem. So when I was really developing how I wanted to come across, it really just was natural for me to be sassy and I am ultra classy. Like it doesn't, I can literally pick the most expensive look without even trying. So they've just combined for me to project a voice that was very authentic for me and my bars. That's awesome. And I think it's definitely something that comes with actual contemplation of what you're putting out there. Social media is a, is a part-time job. If anybody listening doesn't already know that, you certainly will soon. And when you spend so much time trying to create content and captions and pick pictures, it gets easy to be tempted to take a look and see what is everybody else doing and uh, what is it that is most successful? Who's got the most followers and what are they doing? And and be tempted to, to copy that, right? But if it doesn't feel authentic, if it's not your voice that you're using when you're creating those captions, then your clients will notice the disconnect from what they see on your Instagram and your website and what happens when they engage with you. I really do credit my um, extremely quick growth to the fact that there wasn't a very long amount of time where I wasn't congruent. So it didn't take me too long to find my voice. It, I was very quick to realize like, I'm not, I'm not good with somebody else's flow. I really have to do what works best for me. I'm also in California, so there is a whole heap of other laws that other states aren't working with. So I had a really steep learning curve and typical to fashion. I just jumped in and learned really quickly and and it it went really well as soon as I was confident to project exactly where I was at, not more, not less, but right where I was. And I think a lot of us we kind of get fall into the trap of wanting to be farther along. I remember when I used to count how many followers I have, I haven't looked in forever. I really don't care. I mean, it's awesome, but they really don't determine my business. Honestly, you mobile bar owners or future owners are probably more of my followers than my ideal client, which Absolutely. Is, is totally cool. I love you all. I wish you all the success in the world, but I don't really think about it anymore. You know, um, for a while, I did get a little miffed when I would see my exact posts or literally I'm I'm a writer at heart. So I literally wrote all the copy on my website. So when I see it on someone else's website, I'm like, and nobody else talks like that. It's definitely like an entire <laughs> paragraph. You know, so that used to me. But now I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You know, if you credit me, that'd be awesome. But if you don't, whatever, it'll line up for you how it's going to line up. Yeah, and I think I've, I've certainly shared this with you probably more than once, but my most impactful contribution, I think, to this topic is, is the story about the fact that me and my direct competitor launched in the natural market at the exact same time. There was literally weeks between when 
you know, we started posting on Instagram about the launches of our camper bars. Well, now we both have camper bars. We both have horse trailer bars. We both offer coffee service. We both have bartending only. We, we have literally the same services. And they have more followers on Instagram by far. They're a little bit better at the, the whole uh, branding thing than I am. But my clients are not their clients and their clients are not my clients. So I never feel poorly that they're successful doing what I'm doing in the same exact market because the people that are drawn to them, they wouldn't in- resonate with me anyways, because we have very different voices and we're approaching different markets, even though our services are the same. The, the thing that helped me most decide my voice were two things actually hosting events because it's the mistakes that are made, the things I didn't consider. And like, as much as I give all of the members, all of my experiences, your experiences are different. Like Leslie, you've learned to do things differently than I have learned to do things. Even though you know what I suggest, uh, we just have different ways of operating. But the other thing, and I think this is the thing that's probably most important. The other thing is your elevator pitch. When you're talking about your business to people that are like on the phone with you doing an event consult or you're at a networking event and they're like, what do you do? That elevator pitch is literally your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your elevator pitch shows up on your website. It shows up. I mean, longer versions of it. Your elevator pitch is 30 seconds to a minute. And you really should have written that. If you haven't, go do it right now. That'll be the best thing you hear from Sarah and I today. You can have the same thing on your Instagram profile, same thing on your Facebook description, you know, cohesiveness matters. That's important to me. I like my brand to be cohesive. I like my pictures to look a certain way. I'm super bougie. That's the client I attract. I'm also one of the most expensive bars in all of California. And I'm cool with that. Like that's, that's my brand. If that's not your brand, I'm not going to work for you. You know, you're not going to want to come in with my kind of budget launching if your ideal client is a different price point because you're not going to make money. I'm not going to work with, you know, a lower budget person. And I don't attract, I mean, sometimes I attract those people, but usually that means that they're hosting their wedding at home and I'm literally the highlight of their event. Like I'm the most expensive piece of their event and they've scraped together their money to make it work. And I make sure I show up for them. The reason I'm priced that way, the reason I do all of that is because I don't know anything else than to over deliver. I'm every time I show up, I'm going to over deliver. So if I'm going to always over deliver, I'm going to ensure my price point protects me so that my bottom line, I get to actually take home some money instead of paying these people to work. Absolutely. And I will note that if you, right now are taking notes and jotting down the beginning of your elevator pitch. It's not enough to have it in paper and it's not enough to read it. You actually have to say it out loud. Cause what I have found, even when I was recording the intro to this podcast, I would write it out and it sounded amazing. And then I'd go to say it and I'm like, well, that sounds really unnatural. Like that does not flow off my tongue. So like, while it looked good on paper and it looked good on my website, That's not actually how I'm representing it when I speak, right? And so the voice that you speak with is the closest thing to what resonates with you and will resonate with your future clients. Practice it. 
Yeah, <laughs> practice and hearing yourself say it, recording yourself saying it, all of it, saying it to your kids, your spouse, whomever will listen to you. You know, if you don't have a coach, get a coach. They're amazing. They make all the difference in the world in helping you find your your own voice for yourself. Like we have our own individual voice. We have our business voice. It, it all has to match parts of us in order for us to show up and really, really resonate with that ideal client. And if you have not made a list of your ideal client, that is second on my list of what made all the difference for me. Obviously, at first, you're going to accept any client that shows up for you. That's that's just the way it rolls when you're first going. And every single one of them are going to be a huge learning curve and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to just walk away from every event mind blown. And it's it's amazing. But when I got really clear on what my ideal client looked like, not only could I train my employees, but I could manifest that ideal client I could spot within 30 seconds of them sending in their quote request form if they were my ideal client or not. doesn't mean that I don't work with my clients who aren't ideal. It just means when they when they show up, I'm like, yes, I love this. It's going to be so smooth and we're just going to jive from day one. And I can feel it. I can feel it through email. I can feel it through phone call because you're so clear on who you are, what you're providing and who you're providing it to. Oh my gosh. I definitely want to dig deeper on that because I'm, you have these stories. I haven't asked you about them, but I know you have these stories. I have these stories and probably everybody who's listening to this that has done events before has these stories. The inquiry comes in, you have this second sense where you're like, Oh, this is not my event. This is not my event. And, but you're like, I need the, I need the experience. I need the money, like whatever it is. And so you engage them and then they start picking apart, you know, your offering. Now you have created your offerings because that's what you want to present to the world, right? That's what feels good to you. And they're like, well, can we remove this? Can we remove that? Or can we change this? Or can we add this? And it, it starts to be a thing, right? And you're like, well, that's not an unreasonable request. Like I can totally get that. Or maybe like they're a little budget more budget, budget conscious than my typical um, client, but that's okay. Like I want to make space for them too. So you do, and they sign the contract and then maybe they are the ones that have a million questions because they haven't read all the information you sent, or maybe uh, they, they're not trusting you to do the job that they clearly hired you to do, whatever it might be. Then you show up on site and there's an issue. And then they, they're the ones that call you back after the event. And they're like, even though you were there and everyone was having a great time, but they have like these weird complaints, right? You knew it at the very beginning, they weren't your client, but you chased it down and you let it in and they made you regret it. Now, the reason I bring this up is because even if you're using your authentic voice, it does not mean people who don't appreciate you will stop reaching out to you. They still will reach out, but you have to stay rooted and grounded in your authentic voice and confident enough of who your client are, like you said, like who your ideal client are so that you don't undervalue yourself and meet them where they're at, which might be not where you want to be. I've regretted it every time. Every time. And I usually end up paying to do those events and I just walk away thinking, well, at least my employees made some money. It's, yep. it's just, it's terrible. Honestly, I run into that more with my exclusive venues 
because sometimes there's an incongruency between the client that books or they, you know, they booked an initial client at a really reasonable rate. So the client isn't either of ours ideal client and we get halfway through it or you're in COVID and you have a shit show to deal with. So the client is melting down and you're just like, this, this wasn't worth the deposit, let alone anything else I may achieve from this. We're all professionals. We all show up and we all do our job, but getting really clear on who you are, who you're going to show up as, who your ideal client is, and your profit margin are the ticket to success. Yep. And, and being unapologetically you and authentic in your voice, because it's okay that not everyone is your client. Everyone that reaches out to you may need bar service, but not everyone needs your bar service. There's lots of other options out there. Yep. I can't tell you how many people ask me. I do all-inclusive pricing. So it's just all included. It's simpler if I bring my bars, even if we're not doing a big bar, my staff knows what to expect. Every single time it's a non-ideal client, this is the same question I get. Can't we just put up a table with a tablecloth? Yeah, you can, but I'm probably not your girl because I don't do red solo cups or hand pumps from kegs. I'm just not your girl for that. You can find somebody else. And those are, and, and you know what? Like there are probably people listening right now. They're like, I'll take that event. Yes, that's okay. why we need you. We need you in this market. We need you. And I have certainly done those events. It's not that those events are less worthy. It's that when you, people like you and I who have warehouses, we have staff, like all of your people are W-2s. You've got equipment that you're housing and maintaining. That's overhead that you just can't pay for when you are just doing hand pumps and renting bartenders. And that's why it's not hard for me when someone's like, I just want bartenders and I only want them for two hours. And, you know, I I reached out to someone else and they're only charging like $35 an hour for me to be like, oh, that is a steal. And you should absolutely go with them. If like, that's all you need is, is two bartenders for two hours. Like I, I just can't because my bartenders are going to be out an entire shift for that. Like they can't take a, a restaurant gig. They can't take another event if they're only there for two hours making $35 an hour. And, and this is a great segue into the next thing that I wanted to go into, which is how authentic voice not only determines clients, but also staff. Because your staff are, are finding you on Instagram. They're finding you on the website. And you're going to attract the staff that resonate with your vibe. And so my staff... They're all managerial level professionals. And this is just a nice, fun way for them to get out and like sling drinks for a few hours on the weekends or in the mornings if they work nights or vice versa. Right. So I never have concerns with my staff taking smoke breaks when they shouldn't showing up drunk. Like I have the utmost trust in my staff because that's who I'm attracting. I'm attracting this highly qualified professional staff who wants to work these bougie events because that's what they resonate with, right? Exactly. And your staff is literally you when you're not there. Hopefully all of you get to the place where you don't go to every event. That is all of our goal. My goal this year was to go to no events and just manage and that shifted. So that's okay. But if I'm not going to go to any event, I'm going to need to ensure that my staff is representing me and my brand and my voice. That's where employee meetings come in and teamwork and training. And 
I don't have to really place ads anymore for bartenders. I literally have a list of them in my Instagram. I have a list of them in my email and I have enough really highly qualified staff that I can say, Hey, we probably need to add three more who you got. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought up that point because I got a text today from one of my bartenders that that I hadn't heard from in a while. And she's like, is there any news? My favorite gig is working for Bar Magnolia. And all I can hope is that events are coming back. And of course, I have no news for her, unfortunately. But what I love is that she's telling all of her friends that her favorite gig is Bar Magnolia. And then she, her friends are, hey, can I get in with Bar Magnolia? And I know that she's going to only work with the people that she wants to work with that are, you know, representative of her and her awesomeness. So the only people she's going to bring to me are other great, amazing people just like her. Exactly. It's the best. uh, Honestly, it's the best feeling ever because they just fit right in. You literally do a couple trainings with them and they're good to roll out with a senior staff and you feel fully confident. There's no more of those days of like, I don't know how I feel about that, you know, or the fact that I have two or three trucks that are going out on weekends that are all in my name. And if you make a mistake, it could cost me not only a lot of money, but my entire business. And I don't have to worry about that. And that to me is worth so much. Absolutely. And all of that comes as a result of using your authentic voice in the marketplace on your Instagram, your Pinterest, your blog posts, your websites, your elevator pitch when you're networking. It starts with that. And then all of these benefits for just being you, it just falls into place. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And I just find it like, to me, that was the best and the biggest learning curve outside of the actual working the events, because there's a lot of groundwork that goes into when you're creating your brand and figuring that out. Doesn't mean you can't change it. I mean, I shifted really quickly because it had to resonate with me. That's my personality. I couldn't do something and not have it sound like it was me doing it. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up because I know you and I have both attempted to put on our CEO hats and delegate some of the things that just feel like busy work. And one of those things I have tried multiple times to delegate, hated it with the exception of one time when I had my sister doing it when she was um, in between gigs at the time uh, was my social media. Right. So I feel super, super thankful for my situation because my teenage daughter, who is super similar to myself, she does most of my social media and I could bow out and she sounds just like a younger version of me and I can text her instantly. I don't like that word. Take it out, you know? Right. And it's awesome. It works out really good, but you can, I mean, there's so many things you can do to sub that in and make it work. Like if you are, I have an awesome staff and I know any of them would happily pick that up if my daughter can't do it. Absolutely. For me, my experience was I had tried a couple different social media managers and it's the first one um, was actually really, really good at building me a following. Uh, her voice wasn't my voice, but she resonated. At the time, the algorithms were a little bit different. And I think it was easier for me to pick up steam really quickly using what she, her techniques. But the voice sometimes had me going in after she'd post and editing it because I'm like, great picture, not how I speak. Because she was a 22-year-old darling individual. And I am in my mid to late 30s with a professional background. 
And that's what I wanted to be portraying was I'm a professional with almost 20 years of experience in this industry. You can trust me. And she couldn't have that voice because that's not who she was, right? So I have not had a ton of positive experience using social media managers. However, if my brand was more similar to some of these others that I follow religiously because they make me laugh, that have like this fun, meme, you know, styled, uh, you know, boozy joke type. I mean, that I would be all over outsourcing that because I'm not that witty, but they still make me laugh. (laughs) So if I didn't have such a brand that was tied and buttoned up in like literally one of our three values is professionalism, I think it'd be easier. And, And maybe I just put that out there so that people can kind of stop and think like, who do I want to be? Do I want to be professional? Do I want to be sassy like uh, the tipsy horse? Do I want to be a little bit silly? Maybe you want to target uh, tailgating. And so you've got, you know, more of a masculine energy around uh, what you do, like figure out what it is you want to do when you're trying to decide what your authentic voice is and how you're going to put that out into the world. Are you going to use jokes? You you will never see a joke on Bar Magnolia's Facebook page or, or their Instagram, but you will on Tipsy Horse. Totally. Yeah. We're very sassy. I actually can tell the difference between myself and my daughter when she posts. So I'd be super interested if anybody follows us or cares to read through it and tell me which ones <laughs> are her and which ones you think are me, because it would be very telling. But I have found that for me, it's a fun service. And most people who are my ideal client are obviously upper income, but they're also pretty relaxed and they like to have a good time. And so for me, that is just how I show up and feel fully qualified to meet their needs. Am I super professional? hundred percent, but not at the level, Sarah, I don't have that level of experience. And I would sound weird showing up like that. It would just be weird to me. Like I couldn't do it. Right. Nor would you want to, right? Not authentic. Exactly. My bar staff is never, ever on God's green earth going to wear black pants and a white shirt ever. That is never going to happen. I actually have it in my staff manual that if you show up with black tennis shoes, I will send you home. (laughs) I I can't, I cannot do it. I cannot be just a restaurant catering bar service. I can't do it. So I like set my parameters around it and I'm sticking to it, whatever that looks like for me. And it works for me. What a what a great uh, kind of addition to authentic voice, right? We've talked about social media. We've talked about the website. We've talked about the elevator pitch. But then how do you carry your authentic voice on site with you, right? And so, you know, you, for example, you're like, no black tennis shoes because that's the caterer's gig. And you are sassy. You are, you know, the life of the party. You are fun. You are engaging. People are going to want to see that and feel that and kind of how you're physically showing up at these events. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you're going to shift things as you go and you're going to feel like, oh, that didn't work for me. I mean, my shirts that I, I purchase for my employees are actually more expensive than a white button up. And, you know, they have a special bow tie, which they're threatened within an inch of their life if they lose it because it costs more than the shirt. And then I have wooden name tags. You know, I have a, I have a set look and for me, it was important. We tried suspenders. They were leather. Didn't work. It's really hot here too. It just like, yes, it didn't work. And you shift things and you change things and there is cost involved in that, but it costs a lot more if you're trying to show up as somebody else. Absolutely. And I think I had a really time even enforcing 
uniforms because I am a pretty kickback person in real life. Like I was like, you know, I don't want to wear a uniform, but the reality is my staff needed that guideline and the level of events we're going to, we needed to look cohesive. And it, it became important to me quite quickly because it just, an hourly employee sometimes needs direction. And I've honestly found like if I'm working an event, I love that I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. I have like a whole section in my closet that's covered and I just pull and go and we mix it up. Like sometimes we do mini skirts for the girls (laughs) and sometimes the guys wear denim shorts or khaki shorts. We just do khaki and light blue and it all works out. And I've, I've thought about shifting things and going peach, but that's just an added expense. So simple is better. And you can pick, pick your colors, pick your class and, and roll with it. And in all honesty, it's a minute point, but it's all those little minute points that add up yeah. to your voice. And they really do matter. You don't need to overthink them, but just put something in place. And then if you need to shift it, shift it. Don't overthink it. Don't be a perfectionist about it. I'm talking to myself here because (laughs) and just roll it out and see how it works out. And you're going to learn a ton at each event. Yeah. I like to let my clients guide what I need to put in place as like being a stickler for. So if they're asking me what my bartenders are going to wear every time they're asking how this event is going down, then I know that's important enough to my clients. I need to make a rule around it. Right. Or if I find that, enough of my staff are showing up doing things that don't feel on brand for me, then I know I need to establish an expectation that my brand does it this way. Um, Because everyone will come in with different training, different life experiences, different assumptions as to what's considered acceptable. And it's our job as, as leaders to kind of direct them when it comes to them representing your brand. And sometimes it's super laid back. I'm one of those people where I have exactly one thing about setup that I care about. And it's a weird, weird pet peeve. It's an, and it's how people load the cooler. Once I teach you how to load the cooler, they'll often ask me like, Hey, how do you want the bar set up? I'm like, I really don't care. You can, you can put bottles over here, mixers over here, under the table, over the table. I don't care. As long as one, they can't see anything from out front, what you've got going on. And two, you load your cooler correctly. That's it. (laughs) That's awesome. See, I don't care about any of it. If they're bartending it, do whatever. I don't care as long as it's all iced. But if you load that truck wrong or you load that trailer wrong, I'll be annoyed. Stuff bounces all over. Like, take your time. Think it through. But some of these people, they haven't even packed a car before, I think. I'm just like, (laughs) what? No, you can't do that. But it's all a learning curve and there's every area of it. Absolutely. Well, gosh, this has been so much fun. Is there anything about anything else about using your authentic voice that you'd like to cap it off with mobile bars that are maybe getting through their first year and trying to figure out how to become a little bit more consistent and efficient? Any any words to leave them with? Yeah, I think probably the best thing I settled into for myself is not viewing other mobile bars as competition. They really men. They really are not. I'm not your competition. You're not my competition because your voice is different. There's plenty of clients for us all. There's plenty of price points for us to each fit in. Choose yours. Even if you are my direct air quote competition, I I don't view you that way. So, and I feel like that shows up. 
That shows up in how you work with other vendors. That shows up in your collaboration. I collab with all kinds of people in NorCal. I literally know that I could call 10 bars in my area if I needed help or I was in a pickle and I know they would show up for me. And that's, that is like the best thing about our industry. And I hope it stays that way. Amen. Oh, I love that. Yes. Community over competition is not just the tagline of mobile bev pros. It's, it's literally our belief system. And that is one, a rising tide lifts, you know, all boats and the industry of mobile bars is stronger when we all learn together, grow together, succeed together. And when we learn to see each other as just peers in that competition. Yep. All learning together. Well, thank you, Leslie. For those listening, that's Leslie Lyon with the Tipsy Horse out in Orland, California. And uh, if you haven't followed her on Instagram or checked out her website, do. She's amazing. Her daughter also is an amazing social media manager. And um, catch us next time on the If I Knew Then podcast series. Thanks, Leslie. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.